Hi, my name is Jillian Baxter, and in this podcast, I will discuss the reading from Earl and how it highlights the significance of race and racial bias in police brutality, specifically within the United States. Um, So just to start off, we all know that the Black Lives Matter movement erupted throughout the nation during, mostly during the pandemic, and it gained so much traction from the media. But how much did it really change? Because I remember during the pandemic when nobody had anything else to do, they were going on TikTok and Instagram, and there were so many things about the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, I remember seeing all these TikToks about all the things wrong with police brutality and the victims of it. And I remember on Instagram, there was this whole Blackout Tuesday, and people were reposting constantly about the movement. But it seems like almost nothing has changed. And while so much advocacy occurred, nothing happened. Um, I just read an article that listed 229 African-American victims of police brutality since George Floyd's death, um, which is just obviously so unacceptable. But we know that George Floyd was um, one of the biggest faces of the movement. And the whole point of the movement was to stop things that happened to George Floyd and to all the other victims like Breonna Taylor. But in the article I read, one of the victims was Jason Cooper. And he was a 28-year-old man who was not too far from here. Um, He was in North Charleston, South Carolina. And he was shot in the head with a gun at his own home. Um, The only reason was because there was a call of domestic violence, which ended up not even being true. But gunshots to the head were one of the most prevalent forms of police brutality that we've seen. And while while violence can be justified sometimes, I mean, if you feel like you're in excessive danger or you're panicked, but what is making these police officers so panicked and defensive other than the so-called criminal's race? And as Earl mentions, anti-blacks might argue that people of color are more dangerous because of disparities in crime rather than race, but he also mentions that This really piqued my interest for two reasons. He said that the FBI's database is constructed solely on reports that come straight from the police departments, and only 40% of those departments comply. So this means that fatal shootings from from police brutality in the FBI database are undercounted by one half. I took statistics last year, and I'm not going to lie, I wasn't the best at math, but I would say I'm relatively familiar with the subject. And oftentimes, in any calculation you do, there is a room for error. Usually, this error is under 5%. But 50% is not nearly acceptable, and it definitely insinuates a heavy bias, mostly being racial. And racists, they not only skew those statistics, but they also tend to cherry pick from the information of the four studies that they read and use as supports for their arguments. And one of the biggest arguments they use is that black people generally commit more crime. But the truth is that they are more prone to stops, arrests, and convictions than white people are. So obviously they're going to have higher crime rates if they're the ones that are being targeted more by the police officers. Um, 
So after reading this article, it's become very clear that conservative advocates tend to shift the narrative on their basis of their skewed statistics and technicalities, while they often ignore the the blatant political issue of police brutality and how it has affected not only just the victims, but their families and any other African-Americans living in America that are now scared for their lives when they get in their car or when they walk on the street and they could potentially die that day. So I cannot wait to discuss this in class and I hope you enjoyed this podcast and it was a bit insightful on the technicalities of racists and conservatives in America and how they ignore people that are victims. Goodbye.